Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where we connect and collaborate with experts in their industries, published authors, and fascinating people. As a chief inspirational officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, talents, and self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem factor. People matter, self-worth matters, time matters. When it all aligns, everything works. Welcome to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes. We have Chris Mack with us, and she is an EQ consultant, a speaker, and an author. And what Chris does is cultivate emotional, intelligent leaders. And she's also the author of the book, No Approval Needed, which is coming out soon. And we get to talk to Chris about that today. And uh, so she's coming to us from Florida. And what does Chris do? She helps organizations fix fractured relationships low trust, poor communication, and ineffective leadership. So listen in because that's what we're going to be talking about today. She loves to help trusted organizations promote joy and engagement in where the profits follow. So thank you, Chris, for being with us today. Thank you, Marlo. I appreciate it. Okay. So to that interlude, share with us, um, what, what can we expand on? What can we hear from you today that, um, that gets the audience really jazzed up? You know, what I think is so interesting about the workplace is people have heard this term emotional intelligence, but they don't necessarily know what it really means specific to them in the workplace. And a lot of people are under the assumption that it just means that you're good at people skills. And it's so much more than that. I mean, it really affects, you know, how you show up at work every day, the kinds of decisions you're making, how you're coping with challenges, how you're communicating with others. And we know from research that the people that are using these skills effectively in a balanced way are making about $30,000 more than those people who aren't. These are your top performers. They're closing the deals. They're getting the promotions and the merit increases. So it makes sense that these people would be earning more. And so we're starting to see more and more businesses put um, you know, a spotlight on this and try to figure out how they can become more emotionally intelligent in the workplace. Absolutely. And two, don't you feel that emotional intelligence is somewhat of a buzzword in the last 10 years? Yes. I mean, I, I was exposed to it, gosh, back in like 1996, 97, when I was in graduate school. And at that time, you know, I was studying to be a school psychologist. And so we would go around to school faculties in various counties, and we would do a train the trainer model, and we would teach them how to teach the kids because we knew that those kids had um, fewer absentee, you know, rate or lower absentee rates, fewer behavior problems, and they perform better academically. And then fast forward, you know, a few years, and I'm I've now left that, and I'm in corporate America, and I'm being exposed to it from a business standpoint. And so it's been a while for me, but it still seems to be such a new concept for so many. Every time I do a video and post it on LinkedIn, I get a ton of questions because people still don't have a good understanding of, of how to use it and how to be a top performer when it comes to emotional intelligence. Okay, so this leads me to the question, Chris, what got you so excited about it? Why, why emotional intelligence for you? I mean, my background psychology. So we are, we are hardwired to experience emotions 24-7, whether we believe that or not. That, that's how we're hardwired. And we're not always aware of what emotions we're experiencing. And it's very naive to think that you can separate emotions from business. It's impossible. That's not how we're hardwired from a neuroscience perspective. So it is 
incumbent upon us to understand and learn how to use these skills to our advantage rather than allowing our emotions to control us, which is often what happens and people just aren't even aware it's happening. And so, you know, we have lack of self-awareness from an individual perspective, and we also have lack of awareness from an organizational perspective. And that's where I come in and help organizations and individual leaders and contributors. Excellent. Okay, so there's another side to you, though. I mean, it's, you know, we're talking about business here, but there's also a life component that runs next to your success and, and being who you are in life. And have you had any of those life-changing moments that you would like to share with our audience today and um, give us some greater insight on, onto your story? I have. So it's been about four years now. In 2015, my father um, unexpectedly and very tragically passed away. And I was the last person to spend time with him. And it just uh, rocked my world. And, you know, when life changing events happen like that, it causes you to, for many people, including myself, to look at things both professionally and personally, everything through a different lens. And it led me down this path of self-discovery and really peeking behind the layers of what are those things that I'm so afraid of? Because at the end of the day, none of us are getting out of this life alive. So why are you so afraid of everything? Mm -hmm. And so I started peeking behind those layers and discovered that I was truthfully afraid of being vulnerable, of really showing up and, and being seen. And so once I discovered that, I used that knowledge and embraced it and, and was able to walk through that door of courage and left corporate America, started my own business. And little did I know, you know, fast forward to 2018 that I was going to start writing a book, which was another manifestation of that whole journey of transformation that happened since my father died. Because when he died, there was a celebration of life and about 300 people came to the celebration of life from, from various decades of, of his life journey, you know, all the way back from elementary school. And my sister had a number of people, a number of women friends there. And I looked around and I only had, you know, I could count them on one hand. And it was a life changing moment for me because I realized that that was my fault. And I wanted to really change things about my life. And so I, I said, one of the things I want to change, you know, not just professionally, but personally was to be surrounded by more women friends and to reconnect with old friends and develop new ones. And, and that's what led me, one of the things when I look back, I didn't know it at the time, but it led me down this path of wanting to write hashtag uh, no approval needed, where I interviewed almost 60 women from around the world. And, and we had confidential conversations and talked about life topics and sometimes taboo topics. It's uh, more, you know, just satisfied my curiosity about the humanness that we all experience and that we're more alike than we are different no matter where we come from. And so it's been such a blessing to work on that. As our audience is listening to this episode, you know, and as you and I were getting to know each other, you had made a statement about being a better version of ourselves, but we mm -hmm. ghost ourselves. And you're, you're talking about vulnerability. Talk to me about that when we ghost ourselves. What does that really mean? Yeah, so I think we talk about ghosting most often in terms of you know a dating relationship or a friendship where one person you know stops communicating with the other out of the blue. I use the term ghosting ourselves, and I talk about this in the book when we stop giving our you know lofty ideas and our our brave goals the attention that they deserve, and we do it because we're afraid of being vulnerable, we're afraid of fear, we're afraid of 
the uncertainty that comes with what if, what if we pursue this? What if we fail? Um, what if things don't turn out the way we want to? And so we, we stop giving it the attention it deserves. We ghost on ourselves and, you know, we stick our heads in the sand and we hide that idea or that goal in a corner where we can't look at it because we know we're, we're disappointing ourselves. And, you know, I've said before when people have asked me about the book, because people, you know, on the outside looking in, they, they just think you're brave. And that's not necessarily the truth. I mean, for me, it took me about three months once I, I made a contract with myself that I was going to write this book. And I, I ghosted on myself for three months because I was afraid of pursuing it. As soon as I wrote that contract, I berated myself. Like, what, what are you thinking? You're crazy. No one's going to want to read this. And I almost allowed self-doubt to stop me from doing it. And then, you know, had that come to Jesus moment, like stop it and, um, right. <laughs> and move through it. So. Right. Power up. And that's the thing. Um, Self-doubt is such a big topic too. I mean, it's just the lack of confidence that we have that what our experiences have brought us and the knowledge combined. I mean, yes, it's, it's just crazy how we can let that doubt kind of riddle our success. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm curious too, you know, when you started your own business, you had mentioned, you know, it was like super frightening for you, but you've done it right? So let's mm -hmm. reflect back. Let's take us to, you know, at that space, share with us why you were so super frightened. And now share with us where you are today and getting ready to, to publish your book. Uh, so going back to that time, so this is about a year after my dad died, I was working in corporate America. And I actually worked for a company I, I loved. I loved the role I was in, loved my manager, loved my team, all of that. So but I, I wasn't super fulfilled in that role. And if I look back, I you know, probably would characterize it as settling for the acceptable level of mediocrity. And the company was going through a corporate layoff. So I decide that I'm going to be big and bold and brave and go out on my own. And there was a tremendous amount of fear there. And when I initially thought about it superficially, it was a fear of walking away from the golden handcuffs making good money and great benefits, all of that. But right. when I dug deeper, it was more about the fear of being vulnerable, about allowing myself to be seen. I no longer had a big name company to hide behind. And when I realized that, it, that was a life-changing moment for me. I had never really allowed myself to feel that kind of vulnerability before because I would tell myself, you know, the fantasy fairy tale that you're the strong woman and, you know, you're mm -hmm. not afraid of anything. And that just wasn't true. Right. So I, you know, walked through that door of courage, and and now today it's um, coming up on three years, and I use fear to catapult me to do things that are outside of my comfort zone. Mm. Can you give us an example, Chris, of of your vulnerability, like just owning it and saying, you know what, this is my strength; it's no longer my weakness. Can you give us something that um, an experience that you've had that has really impacted you powerfully around being vulnerable? Yeah, I mean, I think just this whole journey of starting your own business and building it from the ground up and being able to admit that you don't know things. <laughs> there are areas that, you know, you're just, they're not your area of expertise and asking for help and giving keynote speeches and writing a book. I mean, I share very personal stories in this book and um, that is very vulnerable. There are some people that have advanced copies of it and they're reading it and I'm starting to get comments on it because, you know, the book comes out May 7th. And when I started to get comments, I was like, oh, gosh, you know, these people are reading my story. That's a vulnerable thing. What was I thinking? 
Right. Right. That's a good example of it. Excellent. Okay. So how are you positioning this vulnerability as we come into, so May 7th of 2019. So those people are going to be listening to this episode for years to come, right? Um, Yes. How are you positioning yourself in this, this little slice of time as you know that this is going to come out? you know, on this bookshelves and, and for more people to, to read. Is there anything that, you know, you're framing yourself with, with your, you know, your belief in yourself, the strength that you have and the reason why you know that this, this vulnerability is so important? I think it boils down to, it's exhausting to wear the mask all the time. You know, we create this persona that we want the world to see, but that's not always authentic. And so if we can dig deeper and you know, love ourselves for who we are and embrace who we are, flaws and all, because that's what makes us interesting. There's no such thing as perfect. That's a facade and it's boring. So stop it. Live, be who you're supposed to be. And that's perfectly imperfect. And so that I think is one of the messages from the book. And you get to choose every day who you want to show up and be, and you get to be intentional. So instead of being a bystander, be that leading character in your life. And I think the women that I interviewed we're doing that. And it's, it's very inspirational. And, and one of the most common hashtags at the end of, end of the interview, I asked them to tell me a favorite quote or a common hashtag that they thought described their 40s. And so many of them said, you know, live your best life. And I thought that was just a great way to end the book. Absolutely. Okay, so here we are. We're going to pull back the curtain a little bit. Can you give us some insight about one of those vulnerable stories that we're going to read in your book that you can share with us live right now as we're listening to you? Sure. Um, One of the ones that I love was about another woman. It was about women helping women. And there was a woman who told a story about she was on a first date, she was wearing a white dress. And unbeknownst to her, she started her menstrual cycle. And another so she was bleeding through this white dress walking around this museum and had no idea. And a woman who she did not know came up to her and took a scarf off her head. She was wearing a scarf because she had been going through chemo treatment and didn't have any hair on her head. She took her scarf off and discreetly whispered to this woman, pulled her aside, took the scarf and wrapped it around her waist. And I just thought that was such a powerful example of women helping women. And it was just two hearts connecting. And I I thought that was just a tremendous, powerful story that gave me chills and brings tears to my eyes when I think about it, you know, strangers helping strangers and um, just an example of our humanity. And we need more of that. Absolutely. Oh, and I, yeah, I mean, I think as women are listening to that, people are going to relate on so many levels. And, and you're right. I mean, when it becomes relatable, we see ourselves in those positions, right? Mm-hmm. And we see just like that lesson learned, you know, how, how was that woman helping the other woman to get through that circumstance? So very, very powerful. How about you? Is there anything for you specifically? You know, you had this fear of vulnerability and scarcity and you were like staying small, playing small, hiding behind it because you've owned it though. Like what is, what has really impacted you the most? I think it comes down to being a role model for my kids. Mm. You know, I I love my mother, but she's very risk averse. And Mm. so that was in some ways she was a trailblazer, but in other ways, very risk averse, which sounds so contradictory, but so if I can be that role model for my kids, so, so what? I tell them all the time, who cares if you fail? Who cares? Go out there, have fun, 
learn. You have to start somewhere. Don't allow the fear of failure to prevent you from finding the magic because I can assure you the magic is not inside your comfort zone. It's not. That's not where you're going to experience your greatest triumphs or your tragedies. And, you know, those, those real struggles in life, that's where we learn the most. That's where we get the most growth from. And, and a lot of times good things happen when we do that. And so if nothing else, I want my children to come away with, you know what, it's okay to put myself out there. It's okay. And why is it okay? <laughs> what gives you the, the boldness to say that it is okay? Why? Because if you want to live a life, I'm, I'm going to quote Rene, Brene Brown here, who's one of my sheroes, if you want to live a life with arms wide open, that's what it takes. Whether it's professionally or personally, you know, whether you know, you're in a relationship and, and you want to experience that full love. It's going to require that, that you step outside your comfort zone and you allow yourself to be seen and you show up authentically. Without it, you're never going to experience that full joy of living a life with arms wide open. And, and I truly, truly believe that in the deepest level of my soul. Mm, absolutely. And I want, I want people to be able to answer the question, what feeds my soul? So many people don't even know where to start with that. And that's okay, but spend time there. Get mm -hmm. curious and, and dig deep and figure out what that is so that you can be the best version of yourself and, and live the life you want to live instead of just being a bystander and letting life happen around you. Live intentionally. Okay, so as you say that too, and you know what feeds my soul, and I think that grounds for me personally, like in the feelings, like mm -hmm. the four core feelings of for me is like being peaceful, energized, empowered, and loved. Mm -hmm. All powerful. Yeah. Yeah, so I think as as you say that, you know, what what is it that souls work? I think it kind of goes that deep. It's like if mm -hmm. you found it in the way that you want to feel, then you show up accepting whatever it is that you're being asked to do. And if it's in alignment with that feeling, that depth, that space that you've really know that you're feeding your soul's purpose, I think when that alignment happens, then I think it's combustible. Then I think it's easy to step out on stage, to be vulnerable, to be all of those things. Because when you're, you know, when it's a feeling, you're kind of choosing it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're saying mm -hmm. that's how I want to feel. So um, yeah, that's, as I, I just have to, you know, as I listen, that's a great question is what feeds your soul? And mm -hmm. um, really digging deep into that. And, and then sharing. So do you have a, a process that you follow to help people dig deeper into their vulnerability? And what do you hope that they're reading about your book or from your book that they take action on that changes them? So I have to give Kristen Sherry some credit here. She mm. was one of my beta readers and she's just this tremendous person. If you don't know her, connect with her. She's amazing. And she gave me some great feedback and she was like, I love where this is going. You're already asking really great questions for people to self-reflect, but, you know, dig a little bit deeper and, and give them some more direction. So at the end of each chapter, there are questions for self-reflection and they follow along with what I had the, the women do during the interviews. If they gave me a superficial answer, I prompted them to dig deeper. I didn't let them get away with that. You know, a lot of the comments were like, I've never had a conversation like this with anyone. I've never thought about being like this before. My brain is still buzzing. So I would encourage people, you know, read my book, read those questions, let yourself spend some time getting curious, come back to it. It should be a dynamic process. But there's other great books too. I mean, I love Daring Greatly. I love You Are a Badass. Those are two of my favorites for really, you know, digging deep and getting to understand you know, what makes you feel vulnerable and how to move past it so that 
you're the best version of yourself. Right. I love Jim Cicero's um, You Are a Badass. A client of mine said, you've got to read this. He was in the airport. He saw it and he's like, oh, this reminds me of you, Marlo. And it's funny because I think so many of us can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And for me, and I'm sure you'll say the same thing, it's just so raw and is so pure. And it's like, okay, that's so validating. So yes. validating. Yeah. Yes. I love, 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 love her stuff. And it's really helped me to revisit. I mean, I look at both of those books probably daily and have for this the last year since I, or almost year since I started writing my book. And it's just been so helpful because it's, it's easy again to let that self-doubt creep mm. in, especially when you're writing about topics that some might consider taboo. And so, you know, it, it's been helpful. It's been really helpful to revisit um, both of those works by two amazing women. Absolutely. Okay, so here's a question. As we kind of come into the close of this episode, we have the Maverick Movement. So hashtag Maverick Movement, that's something that we like to champion because we work in the world of performance and as a chief inspirational officer. And so the Maverick Movement question that I would love for you to answer for us today is um, share one obstacle that you've overcome. What would that be for you, Chris? Hmm. So if if I'm going to be honest and personal, please do because we're being vulnerable, my friend. (laughs) We want to hear saying sorry and meaning it, and not allowing my ego to get in the way was very difficult for me. Even I mean, even if I went back five, six years ago. So I've done a lot, a lot of work in that area, and I again, I, I I think my dad's death help me just to become a better person. You know, I say I love you all the time to, to everyone. And I say I'm sorry so much more easily now. And I try to put my ego in the back seat because you know what? Your ego is in the front seat. You are not winning, my friend. You may think you are because your ego's job is to protect you, but sometimes it's, it's an overdrive and it causes more harm than it does good when we're talking about relationships. So I would say that's probably been one of my biggest obstacles and now my relationships are so much better and I'm so much happier for it. Mm. Oh, so I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. You are just somebody we need to learn from. Chris, If you're just amazing. And I, and I love what you've shared on this episode. So to learn more about Chris Mack, you can visit our website at MarloHiggins.com where you can learn how to obtain her book that comes out on May 7th of 2019. And you can also connect to Chris's resources and add her to your circle of influence. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your story and um, empowering more people through your vulnerability. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Marlo. It was my pleasure. Thank you. As your chief inspirational officer, I coach executives to gain clarity and remove self-doubt to increase performance in sales. To book a complimentary coaching session with me, simply visit MarloHiggins.com and click on the Work With Me tab to schedule a call. Did you like this podcast? If so, subscribe and share with all of your friends. And if you want even more awesome resources to gain clarity and remove self-doubt, plus some personal insights from me that I only share in email, get yourself over to MarloHiggins.com and sign up for the email updates. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. If you're into it, subscribe, leave a review and tell all of your friends. We would sure appreciate it.